Paul uh, in the second half, this is still verse 1, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'm going to go back to this picture that I had the first week of the guy fallen off the cliff because this is where the Galatians are, the whole letter. We're now in chapter 3 and they're still at this point of just about falling and Paul is reaching out to grab them. Don't fall. Keep hanging on to your faith. Okay, verse 2. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So he's going from Spirit and law to Spirit and body now, but equating the two as the, as the same thing. Um, we didn't receive the Spirit by the works of the law, that is, by obedience. We received the Holy Spirit, rather, by the grace of God, which came through faith, by believing the message. Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask you, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And Paul goes back to that. He likes to go back to that moment because when did Abraham start obeying the law? It was after he came to faith. that The whole business of circumcision, the covenant of circumcision, was given after this incident when Abraham believed God, when God gave him the promise through all nations, or through your, through your descendant, rather, all nations will be blessed. Then God gives him circumcision, so it's before he began obeying anything of God's at all. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. I want to say something about verse uh, 7 at the top of the screen there. All those who have faith are, are children of Abraham. Well, in, ver- in chapter 4, Paul's going to switch parents. So he's going to go from we're children of Abraham to which of Abraham's wives are you the child of? Is it Sarah or is it Hagar? And that, so that's going to be chapter four. That's coming up. And then he equates Hagar and Sarah with different mountains also. One is the law and one is the gospel. So one is Sinai and one is Zion. That's, he's going to get off. Even though, did I mean, did Hagar ever go to Mount Zion? You know, you've got that question too. But nevertheless, well, she's heading for it. When the Holy Spirit, when, or rather, when the angel of the Lord goes to visit her, but nevertheless. Verse 9. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So Paul is going to go to two curses here. This is the first one. You're cursed if you do not do everything in the book of the law. Well, oh, wow. You know, so what ceremonial, uh, ceremonial forbidden food have I eaten? What uh, work of the law? Um, last Tuesday, a week ago Tuesday, I preached a sermon at a conference 
on the death of Aaron, Moses' brother. Why did Aaron uh, fail to get into the promised land? You know, when, when, when they got up to uh, Kadesh, God, this is the, just a year into the, into the Exodus, God had them choose 12 spies, remember that account? To, to go up into the land of Canaan and, and spy it out and look at things. And they actually got almost as far as the Orontes River. They went so far north that they got north of Lebo Hamath, which is north of Damascus, north of Antioch. And it's, it's, it's beyond Mount Hermon. It's way up there. And, and, and they explored all the rest of the land too. They were in there for 40 days. So they had plenty of time to yump up and down all over the place, just looking around what, you know, how many cities, what different kinds of people are there. You've got the Horites, who literally are the mountaintop guys, because Hor is the word for mountain. And you've got the Chivites, who are the cavemen. Ugh. And you've got the, the Canaanites, who kind of live on the, on the prairies. And you've got the Philistines down by the, by the seashore. And uh, but the Philistines, you know, we seem like, ants you know but these guys are nine feet tall plus and there are others as well and they didn't even know about the guy way way up north og king of bashan who would have made goliath look like an average sized basketball player so you've got because he had a 12 foot long bed and uh this he was the last of the anakim this other or rephaim this other race of giants up in the other end of things but they came back down and when the spies and they brought back a pole full of uh, uh, grapes, uh, one bunch of grapes that was so big, it dragged on the ground. I mean, I to be honest, when I'm washing grapes before supper, I'm annoyed if they haven't already cut the bunch in half because it drags on the kitchen sink, you know. And I don't like that. I like to have it nice. And so I, I, you know, but you can imagine one that's like five feet tall. I'm, anyway, um, I. I would have been eating them the whole way home. Maybe they were too. But anyway, they come back and 10 of the 12 spies give a bad report to Canaan. I don't think we can take these people. And at that moment, all of Israel says, we believe you, we can't do it. And God sentences them to death. Everybody over the age of 20, every grown up right now, except the two spies who said we can do it. And as far as we know, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. They don't appear to be condemned either. They were for it too. So, but God condemns everybody else. But then later on, God specifically condemns not Caleb and Joshua, the two, I'll call them the good spies, but he does specifically condemn Moses, Miriam, and Aaron for specific sins along the way that will keep them out of going into the land of Canaan also. Miriam opposed Moses because of his second wife who was a um, a, 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 a Cushite. So I think that when Moses' wife, Zipporah, um, died, Moses remarried an African. You know, he wants to get married again. And, and Miriam didn't like that. And so God struck her for about 10 minutes with leprosy and then made her stay outside the camp for a week. And then she could, and then, but she's, but she's not seeing the promised land anymore. Miriam is sentenced. Then in, in Numbers chapter 20, all three of their sentencings happen. Miriam dies in verse 1. Then the people grumble. They've, they've, after four, after um, 38 years, they've come back to Kadesh, where the, which is where the spies were sent from. 
And it's here the people complain because the faucet got turned off. The 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 um spring that had fed the people for 40 years earlier was dried up. And they and there's room for two million people, but there's no water. And they start they're complaining, there's no there's no pomegranates, there's no apples, there's no grapes, there's no figs, and there's no water, and we're sick of this miserable manna. And Aaron and Moses do what they've been doing, it seems like, every week for 40 years. They run into the middle of the nation, and they fall face down in the dust, and they intercede on behalf of Israel. And what does God do? God is a loving God. God forgives Israel. And then God tells Moses, stand up, go and speak to the rock, water will come out, and they'll and that that's my gospel. And and what does Moses do? He 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 gets law and gospel backwards. Moses turns this into anger instead of compassion. So Moses goes to the rock, and he, instead of speaking to it, he hits it. And he commands it, and by in, in commanding it, his, his third error is using the pronoun we instead of God. So instead of saying, must God provide water for you, he says, must we provide water for you? And then God condemns not only Moses, but Aaron for that sin. Why does God condemn Aaron? Because Aaron Aaron failed to do what he had been doing next to Moses for 40 years, falling down on his face and interceding on behalf of this straying sheep. Now, Moses isn't exactly a little lamb. He's more like the bellwether of all of of Israel. But even, even if the straying sheep is your brother and your brother is Moses himself, Aaron's job, I mean, who, Moses was pastor of all of Israel, right? Who is Moses' pastor? Aaron, the first high priest. Aaron failed. And that's why Aaron also will not get into Israel. And Aaron dies in the same chapter. They get to Mount Hor, literally the mountain of mountains. And uh, and Aaron dies. And they actually take Aaron up the hill, up the mountain. And God says, and by the way, wear all of your high priest stuff. Aaron has to get dressed up to die. So he puts on his high priestly robe and his turban and all that and yumps up this mountain along with his son, Phineas, and or, it's Eliezer. And he has to take off, then he, he, he gets defrocked, takes off his robe, his son gets the new robe, and then Aaron dies. And the, the, the son, with all the high priestly stuff on him, comes down the mountain and they've made the changeover. But Moses is also condemned. He's not going to live to see the promised land either. Um, So, cursed is everyone, here Paul says, who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. One mistake on Aaron's part, which was failing to intercede when Moses sinned. That's, in 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 the book of sins of omissions, that one seems to be kind of minor, but for a, for a pastor, that's, that really speaks something because that's your task, is to intercede on behalf of your people. How are we doing? Clearly, verse 11, we'll move on. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law 
is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. The law is based on action, on obedience, and so forth. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And how does the Christmas hymn go, that one verse? Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, right? Far as, far as the curse is found. Christ redeemed us, or rather, cursed is everyone who was hung in a tree. This is Deuteronomy 21, 23. Cursed is everyone who was hung in a tree. Do you remember the context of that terrible, terrible verse? If you put someone to death by hanging them on a tree, don't leave them overnight. That's the context. Because they're cursed if they hang overnight, and they're cursed, period, if they're hung in a tree. So take them down before nightfall. Which is why, at the crucifixion of Christ, they want to take him down before nightfall. Why didn't they care about the other two guys at the crucifixion and nightfall? They might have been Jews. That's true. But they weren't dead yet. They were still alive. Do we know that? Or we're just well, sure, because, because they had to go break their legs before they took them down. And they said they didn't break Jesus' legs because he's already dead. So crucifixion does not kill a person quickly. I mean, in many cases, crucifixion would last you know, in technically three days. That's, that's the death of crucifixion. Is that uh, every, I mean, the Aztecs understood, the Mayas, the Incas, you, the, the easiest way of killing a man is to tie him to a stick out in the sun because by noon the third day he'll be dead. It doesn't matter what you do. Um, you tie him to a stick outside and by noon the third day he'll be dead. It's the simplest way to, to kill a man. You don't have to have an elaborate system of hanging him or whatever. You just tie him to a stick. Um, because, However, why did Christ die so quickly? He had been beaten almost to death already. He was, the, 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 the Sanhedrin beat him up, the Romans beat him up, and then he, he, he went off to be flogged. That's a verse in John 19 where Pilate hands him over to flog him. It's a, it's a Short little verse. But that flogging would have been 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails. They would have opened up his back so there's no fluid left in his body practically. And then they crucified him. Oh, after they forced him to walk through Jerusalem carrying the cross in a horrible parade. And then they crucified him at, what, nine in the morning? So sure, by three in the afternoon, he's done for. Also, one other thing about the death of Jesus is that it didn't, it's not just that they killed him, but that they, he permitted it. He laid down his life as a ransom for all mankind. <clears throat> all right. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Because if, if Abraham is the father of all who believe, doesn't matter who you are or what nation you come from. You believe Abraham becomes your spiritual father. You are justified by faith. The law and the promise. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established 
so it is in this case. So a covenant in ancient times was they would write out a covenant using a clay tablet. This is the agreement. I will not go beyond that big old tree over there with my flocks if you do not go beyond that big old tree over there with your flocks. Signed, Bob and Jeff, right? Then Bob and Jeff would take a, 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 a sheep from Bob's flock and a goat from Jeff's flock, kill them, cut them in half, and then lay the pieces out on the ground and walk through the pieces and read the covenant again, saying, I will not go beyond that big old tree over there, and if I do, may what happened to these animals happen to me. That's a covenant. The Hebrew word for to make a covenant is barit, which means to cut a covenant. It's literally a cutting up. So that's the promise that you make. But do you remember with Abraham? There were animals that got cut up and laid out, and who passed between the animals? Abraham didn't. God appeared in the form of a smoking fire pot that flew through the pieces of the animals. Was a one, God went through, but Abraham didn't. It's a one-sided covenant of grace. God said, I will do this. You have nothing to do with this. It's not about your obedience. It's only about my graciousness. All right, verse 16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and his seed. Scripture does not say, and to his seeds, plural, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. The, both the Greek and the English can be vague. I'm sorry, both, of the, both the Hebrew and the English can be vague with the word seed because in Hebrew it's zera, what you scatter, you zera. Um, and in English, it's seed, right? Is seed one seed or is it a billion? I've got a sack of seed, right? It's the same word. However, in Greek, you can distinguish, and Paul does here. In Hebrew, you would distinguish by adding the, article, the definite article, the seed, which does happen in Genesis. So your, your seed. What I mean is this. Uh, let's do maybe get to one more verse. Um, it's almost time to pick up kids here. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later, that is after Abraham, does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. Um, and what does Paul mean by that? Well, the, the, the promise to, uh, to the patriarchs is made, um, you know, 1876 B.C., the law is established in 1446 B.C., 430 years later. And that's, that's stated also in, in Exodus 1240 when the law is given. Um, Moses is told by God this happened, you know, this is, this is 430 years after the promise was given to Abraham. Um, so, uh, so 400, or rather to Jacob, the last time the, law was, uh, the promise was given is to Jacob. Um, so 1446. By the way, just as a, as a matter of interest, who was Pharaoh when Israel left Egypt? I want to see if you've been corrupted by the Charlton Heston movie or not. Because most of Hollywood gets it wrong. 
Hollywood likes to say that Ramses was the Pharaoh of the Exodus. He wasn't. He wasn't. Um, uh, the Pharaoh of the Exodus would have lived about 200 years before Ramses II. Um, so um, I usually teach this to classes this way. Uh, you remember the old Christopher Columbus poem in 1492? So I'll, I'll go to that way. And in, in the, these are BC dates though, okay? So in 1492, the Pharaoh's name was Thutmose II. In 1446 BC, it's the year of the Exodus, the Pharaoh's name was Thutmose III. That's the Pharaoh, almost certainly the Pharaoh of the, of the true Exodus. Um, incidentally, Thutmose III also was predated by a woman named Hatshepsut, who was Pharaoh for a short time in her own right, may well have been the actual princess who rescued Moses out of the water. Um, that era is... is um, Conservative Christians, really, and, and, and conservative Jews are interested in that era because we believe that that's the correct date for the Exodus. Because all these other dates, like here in Galatians, match. That's what matches the Abraham, Isaac, and Moses dates best. The business with Ramses is based on something else and is just a mistake that's made. Um, really, because the, the, the city of Ramses is mentioned in Exodus as a starting point for the Exodus. So they think, oh, it must have been the city that Ramses built. However, cities can have different names attached to them. For example, when I was a missionary in Washington State in 1999, I was assigned to King County, Washington. Okay? Third largest county in the United States, including Alaska and Texas. Third biggest county, King County, Washington. And who is it named after? Well, William King the vice president of President um, Franklin Pierce. Okay, because he was vice president at the time. That's what they did. A lot, of, a lot of street names in New Ulm come from who was president or vice president. or That's why my town has a Van Buren street and stuff like that. Well, in the 1960s, people began to want to rename King County, King County. They wanted to name it after Martin Luther King Jr. And in 19, uh, uh, no, no, in 2005, it was after I left Washington. In 2005, that bill did get passed. It is a law now in Washington state. They're no longer named, the county's no longer named after William King, the vice president. They're named after Martin Luther King Jr., the, uh, the, uh, the civil rights advocate. And so all of the county highways now have Martin Luther King Jr.'s silhouette on them but it's still king county so it it you know a city a, a, a place name can be changed without changing it can just be attached to somebody else and there are other things like that okay i've, I've spoken too long and uh but let me just um close here with the doxology the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all amen You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Orleans, Minnesota.